Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Thank you. Just before you grab your seats, can we pray? They are last week's notes, so I'll put those there. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just thank you for your anointing here this morning. I thank you for your anointing that breaks containment, it breaks limitation, it breaks yokes. And I thank you for when we assemble together, you are here. You are, you are um, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. You are here right now. I thank you for your anointing here. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you that you actually activate our human form. And the Spirit of God is in us and your life is permeated through us. It's a profound thing to be in your hands, Father God. And I thank you that you care for us so much that you gave us Jesus. And Jesus, that you were so faithful to the Father's desires that you endured the scorn of the cross and counting it all joy because you knew what was on the other side. Us. You could see us sitting here today seeking you, seeking a relationship with you, seeking a relationship with our Father, seeking wisdom in our life, seeking to know where the good way is, the good path of life is so that we can enjoy our time here on earth because you came to give us fullness of life. I thank you for fullness of life here this morning. Anoint my words, Father, that I'll be able to speak your word with clarity in the way that you've made me to do it. Have your way. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here right now as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. You've been standing for a while. I had all these things that I was going to say about what Joel just said, and I've now wiped them out of my head by praying. Um, He's way too comfortable up here. Well done, Joel. I don't know anybody who gets an applause from just cheering. You just did it automatically. Oh, Joel, well done. Well done. Uh, Love Christmas time. It's a tough time for some people, though. This is a tough time. Um, I had a phone call during the week, and it was from a guy here, and um, he did a funeral for a friend of mine and he he was a pastor once and now he's working in in industry and he rang me up and he said, Steve, do we have any um, grief um, counsellors in the church? And I'm like, whoa, no we don't. Yeah, my daughter's studying psychology and I'm impressing on her the importance of we need good Christian psychologists here in Mildura. And she's going, yeah, but the work's in the city and I'm going, good Christian psychologists in Mildura. So I'm just glad that God's undermining her program and planning and bringing her back to Mildura with a bit of incentive. (laughs) Sorry? Yeah, yeah. He knows what he's doing. Um, And and this individual, actually, I went on a tangent there for a second. I don't do that often. Um, But then... This individual said, because I, I need a grief counsellor because I'm doing a, a, a funeral for a suicide. So he, he's now got this gig that's a, a rolling gig with the funeral directors and he um, does the, the funerals for um, people. And I'm like, I'm in awe that he's able to do that because I, when I do a funeral, man, it takes a, it's a weight that you carry. It's a weight, like it's a really weighty thing. It might look like I'm breezing through it, but I am just like carrying the weight of that grief, carrying the weight of compassion and, and just that, that whole thing that's going on. It's a, it's a part of the journey of life. And, um, 
And he said, because I've got a suicide that's... And he goes, and over the last two months, I've done six suicides. And I was thinking, wow, isn't that sad as we're coming up to Christmas? And and I've known of um, people in the church whose who's, um, close friends have suicided around Christmas and, and things like that because they just, they've got no hope and they've got no, no perspective, they've got no vision for what, what's in front and, and they're just letting the thief, who is actually the, the one that steals, kills and destroys in the time when life was brought to this earth and the, and the angels said, joy to the world... Joy to the world, peace on earth, goodwill to all men, because the hope of the world has come. And um, the enemy just wants to steal, kill and destroy. And I, I just want to continue on with that this morning, um, how we fight our battles, how I fight my battles, hashtag FMB. I want, I want you to get this in your head because I've been reading through Matthew 5, 6 and 7. This is all about Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. It's the first time he really spoke out in a profound way and um, he spoke everything about the Father's heart. I could just talk about that for so long. But um, yeah, then I'd say so long to you. But I want to talk about how we we fight our battles and I want to just bring it down to a certain aspect. We've been doing this for a while now, haven't we? I've been sort of harping on this. No, I've, I've actually been teaching on this out of the Word of God, how to fight our battles. And this morning, I don't dream. Who, who remembers their dreams? Okay, we've got a few of you. Who doesn't remember their dreams? Who would like to remember their dreams? You know, like I would. Like I wake up sometimes and just like um, Thomas Edison, he said the most the, your genius is, is activated the moment you wake up. Have you ever had this genius plan, this, this concept that's come to you while you're sleeping and you wake up and you go, like it might be two o'clock in the morning or something, and you wake up and you're like, that, that's going to work. I'm going to make some moolah out of this. This is going to just, this is so good. I'll never forget that. And you and back off to sleep and you wake up in the morning and go, I had an idea during the night. What was it? So Thomas Edison, get this, he used to sit on the edge of his bed late at night, early in the morning with a bowling ball, with a tin pan under his, between his feet, and he'd wait there until he fell asleep, and then he'd drop the bowling ball, it would clang, wake him up, and he'd have this inspiration. You might go, he's an idiot. <laughs> but no, this guy, when he died, he had four to 500 um, patents still running of inventions that he had. So this morning I woke up. And um, I, as I woke up, I was having this dream. I was with someone walking through these beautiful vineyards and there were all these parrots. Now, we've got around our property, we're watering and our next door neighbour is watering beautifully and the, the gardens are so green. But then when you take a drone shot of all the homes around us, our two are the only green ones in the whole of our like, area. It's only the vineyards that are green. So we've got you know, parakeets and kookaburras and magpies and apostle birds and lots of noisy miners. And um, hate noisy miners. And they were all fighting the other day up on the, on the, on the um, power lines. And, but I love seeing the parakeets and the, and the cockies and everything around our property. And, but anyway, I woke up in this dream and there were all these cockies and parakeets in the vineyards and they were hanging upside down eating the grapes. And who knows, the vineyard owners don't like that, and they don't, they don't want to get there, you know. But God made the birds, you know, they have a, a place, and um, 
in our ecology and everything like that. But there was one that I noticed that he was just eating and eating and eating. And he was so ferociously eating while he's there that he's clipping his own wings, not knowing what he's grabbing and what he's consuming. And he's just... I'm going to hold it there for a second and tell you another story. When I was 13 or 14, I would travel out during school holidays at Christmas time to um, one of the elders in the church. He had a wheat farm out at Urara. And I remember going out there one time and we were heading out. And we were it was just after harvest and I was heading out there and they would make these mobile um, grain holders that, um, that they would actually, it was just like cyclone meshing with a tarpaulin on the inside, and they'd fill it up with wheat, but it was open on the top. And it was just while they were harvesting, they'd go over there, and the, the combine harvester would dump all the wheat in there so they could keep on going, and, and there would be these, you know, these mobile um, silos just right through the whole paddocks. And as you were going up to them, I'm going, why is it frothing at the top? And it was because it was covered with cockies. And the glass were in there, blooming glass, stupid blooming glass. And they'd be eating and eating and eating and eating and just stuffing themselves full. And their bellies would be swelling and swelling. And he's like, stupid glass. They don't even know when to stop eating. Check this out. And he goes, honk, honk. And the glass are like, rah, as glass do, which is glass for what the heck? Didn't notice you coming up. I'm just chowing down here. And they'd start to fly. And then they would get to the edge. And normally... They did this every day of their life. When they spread their wings and they fly, you know, they, they start pumping and they run and they take off. They get to the edge and they just went. <laughs> and they'd hit the ground and they're like, what is going on? And it's a long way. It's a mobile silo. It's quite full. They'd hit the ground and then you just see them running off. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And their bellies are swollen. He goes, some of them are going to die. You know, because they just, get, when it swells up, they just like stupid blooming glass. So I'm one, in this dream, I go over and there's this cocky and he's, and he's biting his own wings while he's, and I'm, he's biting his wings. So I then grab hold of him and he's trying to bite my fingers and I'm going, stop eating. And he's just, and, I'm, and I get him off and I'm like, uh, and he's still got scraggly bits of his wings and it looks a bit like wings and they're, but you know when you, you've got a, a chicken, I don't know who's ever had a, a chook run, if you've got a, one that gets a bit of flight in him and, or her and flies over, the head, you, you just cut one feather off and they can't fly, it imbalances them and then they're just like, you know, they spin out. So this cocky, I've thrown him up in the air and he's just like, oh, thud on the ground and then done that run and I wake up. I'm like, that is a weird dream. Weird, weird, weird dream, that one. And then I went, Holy Spirit, what's that dream about? And immediately this scripture came to mind. And then this imagery of sometimes there's things in life that, that look so good. And, we, and, and, and to be honest, if, when you read scripture, God says that he has put his goodness in the earth. He's put so much goodness here for us to enjoy, but with thankfulness and also with balance and harmony. And the image that I got, and I remember um, when I was young, somebody told me this story, and I, I went about the um, Igloic Inuit, um, the natives up in Alaska and, and north up into the, the Arctic, and how they would catch wolves that were preying on their property and around their, their, um, their villages by getting a sharp knife. Oh, I left my knife. 
I bought my knife that I got for my 21st in my office. I've left it in there. It was going to be my only prop this morning. And so this knife, just imagine I've got my 21st hunting knife, my 21st birthday hunting knife in my hand, unless somebody wants to go get it for me. I Thank you. <laughs> Why is my wife carrying around a knife? It's so Jenny's they, knife. Oh, it's Jenny's knife. <laughs> Got your knife. Um, so they would get a really sharp blade and they would dip it in fat and blood and they would let it freeze. And it was, became like a bloodsicle. And they would set these up around the, the village and that actually leaves clumps of fat and blood in the snow so the wolves would come along, the ones that were not afraid to come near the village, and they were the ones that they wanted to target. And so these wolves would come in, and they'd smell the, the blood, because even though it's frozen, they can still smell it. They've got very heightened smell. And they'd find this trail of blood and, and, and fat and stuff, and then they'd come to this frozen bloodsicle, and they'd start licking it. Now, when you lick you know, ice, it, it numbs your tongue. Hey, yes? Who's ever had a bite or something, you put some ice on it, or had a wound or a muscle strain, you put some ice on it, it numbs it, and it stops the blood circulation through that area enough to numb it. So they start licking on it and licking on it and licking on it, and, they, and now as they, their, their warm tongue and saliva is hitting the blood, it, it, it actually turns it into a liquid, and they're like, it's blood. And their tongue's numb, and they'd finally wear it down until they hit the blade. And then their blood is now coming out. And they're like, this is even better. <laughs> Got the imagery? <laughs> like a silly blooming galah, they would, they would bleed to death. This is where the story goes. They would actually bleed to get to death, consuming their own blood. And this cocky, um, he was clipping his own wings and... This is what I got out of that. This is the scripture that immediately came to mind when I asked the Holy Spirit. And this is the imagery about this wolf. Um, because it, act, it acted, activated a primal bloodlust instinct in the wolf. And what it would normally sustain itself with was, using as, was being used as a weapon. There was something hidden in there that, they were unaware, that it was unaware of that was actually killing it. And so in 1 Timothy 4, 1-5, it says, The Spirit clearly tells us that in the later times... Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teach, teachings come through hypocritical lies, whose consciences, this is the thing, whose consciences have been seared as with hot irons. Now, sometimes we can have too much of a good thing that we know, oh, shouldn't be doing this. And this is where the pattern of the world, and Scripture tells us it's the lust of the flesh, it's the lust of the eyes, and it's the pride of life, those three areas that the enemy likes to really hone in on. These are our primal needs and primal areas that feed us. And, um, but it's, it's twisted around that we've been seared with these things. And I don't know if you've ever had a scar. I've had a few of them on my body from injuries and from operations and that. And one major one when I was 18, fell off a mountain bike and had to blew my shoulder out. Something horrific. It was like my... My um, scapula went, blah, 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 blah. my clavicle went, blah, blah, blah. ooh, forgot that was there. And blah, 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 up here, and my shoulder dropped down like this. And I could touch my knee, 
without bending over. My arm's just down here and just swinging around in the breeze. And so then I had to chop me open and put my shoulder back together. My, he said my, my ligaments were like paintbrushes. And he put it back together and he said, look, you're going to have problems with this. It's going to cause an injury, that, like it's an injury that's going to cause you a lot of grief and you're going to have arthritis in there and you're going to have issues with it. And I went, no, I'm not. And I had people pray for me and um, a guy that prayed for me once, his name was Gordon Gibbs, and he came in and prayed and he said, I felt something happen there. And I said, me too. I'm agreeing with you. We're two or more agreeing. I was only 18 at the time. Two or more agree on something there, it's done by our Father in heaven. I'm claiming that. I'm agreeing with you. Nothing's going to... And Mate, I've abused myself over the years and my shoulder's still really good. Like, it's amazing. But I've got this massive scar. That when I used to go water skiing, I'd put um, like fluoro zinc on it with two dots. So I had like, I was known as Fluoro Man. I had this, it was the 80s. And um, I had this smiley face on my shoulder because of this scar. But that scar was so abnormal. I could not feel normally through that. Yeah, and it affected me a lot because it affected everything down here as well. I, I just didn't have normal feeling all the, you know, quite a fair distance down my arm. And it's taken years and years and decades and decades for those nerves to finally find themselves and, and connect up. But I had to massage it and everything. And so I want to talk about this this morning, that the enemy is, is actually trying to get us to sear our consciences it's get, trying to get us to um, run after things that are of the pattern of this world. And, and this is how we fight our battles. This is what I want to talk about today. Um, and they go on to say they, they forbid people to marry. Goodness me, that's like the pattern of the world now. People are less and less inclined to get married because they say, oh, marriage is all fail. Marriage is just an institution. Marriage isn't this. No, no, no. Marriage is gift, gift by God to us. And they order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. There are two things right there, the word of God and by prayer. So this morning as we fight our battles and learn about how fighting my battles, um, I want to talk about that. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This scripture used to freak me out when I was a kid. I'm like, what? A lion? In the, in the Passion Translation, it says, Be well-balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Now, I've been to Africa I've come out of Africa. Movie reference right there. Um, but when we were in Africa, it wasn't the roaring lions that I was worried about. It was the quiet lions that I was worried about. If a lion is roaring around, you can hear ooh, 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 when they're walking around. Like, my goodness. I remember when we lived in the property here and there was a zoo up the, the road um, and they had a lion there. And each night he was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And you could hear it all the way down the river. Why do I say that? Because he's actually, you can see him coming. You can hear him coming if you are well balanced and always alert. So many people go, oh, the devil tripped me up. No, 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 no. (laughs) You allowed him to do that. 
Your conscience was seared. You've been devouring on... I'm, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying us. We here, because we've all fallen into that trap where we've believed a lie, we've, we've taken the con, we've taken that bait stick, that offence, that whatever it is, and the enemy is robbing us of something in our lives. And I want to tell you today, there's a way that you can fight your battles, that you can get through this, and you can hear the enemy coming, because he's a roaring lion. He's, there's evidence of his behaviour, his, op, uh, his modus operandi, <laughs> he's got so much around him. Jesus said, I've come that you'd have life. He just comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we've been talking about putting on the armour of God. And there are, you're meant to stand in and surrender to, stand in the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the feet of peace. These are things that we stand in and surrender to. This is the armour of God. Now, if, you, if you're going, oh, this sounds interesting. I haven't heard this before. You need to listen to the podcast because if I go over it all again, um, it'd take too long. And also to take up or receive the gift of the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I'm, I'm looking at these things and, and I'm... And there's been great teaching coming out on these areas, you know, the, over the last number of weeks and months. And there's six of them. There's six things here. Two lots of three. That we're to stand in and we're to take up. That we're actually to surrender to and that we're to receive as a gift. There's three, two lots of three here. Now, the number six is actually a very interesting number when you look at um, biblical numerology. Number six is the number of man. We were created on the sixth day. Um, the, the, the earth is our domain. Um, the, all of creation was created in how many days? Six. Very good. So you could see me coming then. <gasps> It was created in six days. A lot of people say it was created in seven days. No, it was created in six days. We were on the sixth day. Six, and then God rested on the seventh day, seeing that everything was good. And um, so we are apportioned in our life to work six days and then to rest on the seventh day. He, he gave that commandment in, in Scripture, um, and I'm not going to get to it because I've taken too long to spend talking about stories here, but... This is the number of six. It shows our position, but it also shows that we're incomplete. There's a flaw in us that we can't get to number seven. Seven is a number that is very profound in Scripture. It actually represents God. So number seven um, represents God. It represents strong foundation. It represents balance, and it represents perfection. We can't get to balance. We can't get to a good foundation. We can't get to perfection in our life. We can't get to God because we're actually flawed with six. And when you look at, if you look at Revelation, it talks about the number of the beasts being six, six, six. And if those that have wisdom calculate it, because it's a human number. It represents somebody. Six elements. So when the human nature comes into body, soul, spirit in fullness. It, yeah, gee, that's another message, isn't it? Because I don't fully understand it yet, but one day we'll, we'll see it. It's talking about the, the beast and all that and the Antichrist. But number seven here, is, um, it's an important number. But number six indicates that we're being fallen and that we're incomplete. So God rested on the seventh day. Man is commanded to work six days and rest on the seventh day. Do you think it's by accident that our whole calendar is around seven days? Have you ever thought about that? In the Bible, the first recorded um, 
tale, like the first records of writing down are this, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And in there, God lays out the foundations of everything. Seven days, 50 is a week, 52 weeks in a year. This is just unbelievable. And we are governed by this today. Our whole, our circling around the sun is based on how many days a year? 365 days a year, but then that bounces every couple of years. We have to do that. But it's all to do with seven days and around that. But how many of us are actually taking that rest? How many of us are actually... The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. So we've got to rest on that day. This may be your Sabbath today. You're resting, but you're also honoring God because we're not to just rest. We're meant to glorify God with that. Glorifying God with that. So in 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, so how do we honor God? How do we glorify God with our rest? Have you ever thought about that? There's two scriptures here that I want to just bring to your attention. 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed... Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These are profound things. Because I used to go, okay, word or deed, eat or drink. How do I glorify God? How do I do this totally with honoring God and glorifying God? And I realized it's being thankful that is the vehicle that makes all these areas, word or deed, eat or drink, being thankful, having an attitude of gratitude in our lives about this is just so profound. So this is a hashtag, fight my battles, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So there's six elements to God's armor that he provides us for our human nature. Six elements, two lots of three. And I thought, you know, but there's a seventh. There's a seventh. You might be going, where, Stephen? Where is this seventh part? If you look at Ephesians 6.18, which is right after this, it says, and pray. Take up these things, stand in these things, and pray. In the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, whoa, it's getting back to something really important here. Be alert and always keep on praying. Be alert. Don't be just consumed by what's going around and being a consumer of the, which is the pattern of this world. Oh my goodness. I'm looking at all the new presents coming out. I don't know why Disney haven't released a little Yoda yet for the uh, Mandalorian. Probably because it looks creepy. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The others, you're like, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. Pray blessings of God on all his believers. So many times we're just crying out to God. And like Joel said before, you know, when he came together, he would pray for people and then his perspective of life would change. His perspective of his day would change. His perspective of those two years of really, you know, intense study changed because he was praying for other people. There is something about being thankful in your life. And if you don't know how to pray, it's really easy. You start off by saying thank you. Thank you, God, for my life. Thank you, God, for where you've put me. Thank you, God, for the way that you've made me. Because that is hard for us to do because we live in this world where we're meant to compare. We live in an Instagram world. Instagram, it's the evidence that life really took place. Because what else have you got? 
If you don't put it up on Instagram, what else have you got? Well, you tell stories about it. I sometimes, I look at people and last night they were you know, videoing the carols, and our team did an awesome job. All the teams did an awesome job. I thought it was probably one of the best carols that we've, we've put on as a region. Um, but there were people taking, you know, videoing it the whole time. And I've been to concerts where people have just sat there looking at their little screen, videoing the concert, and I'm like, put it down, enjoy the concert. You know, like, you come here to enjoy the concert, and you're too busy focusing on showing people that you went to a concert that you didn't enjoy because you're looking at a little screen. And then you go and show them, look at the little screen that I looked at the whole time I was going to this concert. But I paid $150 to go to this concert. And look at the little screen that I looked at so that you could look at the screen so I could prove to you that I was at the concert that I paid $150 for. <laughs> I now look at some things and I go, I could take a photo of that, but I've got to be honest with you. When somebody comes up to me and goes, check out this photo, I'm like, I really don't want to look at your little screen to look at a photo of something. Tell me about it. Tell me what you saw. Tell me the feelings. Tell me the emotions. Tell me what it did to you. Tell me how it affected your life. Don't just show me a photo. But photos are pretty cool and memes are really good. Thank you, Jesse. Um, <laughs> so many times I've gone to take a photo of something and then I've gone, like, an incredible sunset. And then I'm going, I grab my photo out and I go, uh, my camera out, and I'm like, the photo doesn't do it justice. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a snapshot with my brain meets. I'm going to take a snapshot with my soul right here and go, thank you, God, this is just so beautiful. You have provided this for us. These sunrises, these sunsets, you might go, what are they? Well, I don't know, hang around, go outside, put the, turn the TV off, put the you know, things down and all that. He has put stuff there in creation so none of us have an excuse to know that there is a God, an author of creation you know that, that in the mornings and in the evenings, that's when the infrared is most um, active in, our, in the atmosphere? How good is infrared, you might ask? Well, let me tell you how good infrared is. Where are you going with this, Stephen, and why did I sign up for it? <laughs> infrared affects your muscles. It penetrates your body. Have you ever been looking at a sunrise and you're going, wow, I feel really good at the moment? That's because not only are you seeing something with your eyes that is feeding your soul, because the eyes, this is one of the areas, the lust of the eyes. When you are feeding your eyes with something good, something that is pleasing, something that, that is the evidence of God, it feeds your soul. But not only that, the light penetrates your muscles, it penetrates right into your organs, and it actually relaxes you and it does you good, warms you up. Oh, man, I've got so much here, and I'm already over time. So I'm just going to finish up with some... Um, oh, no, look, I want, I want to touch on this. In 2 Corinthians 4, 15, um, Paul writes to the church of Corinth, which is incredible, um, two letters of, of, of instruction about life and instruction about God. Oh, you could read it. It's really good for you. But he says in 4.15, all this is for your benefit. He's coming to a conclusion here so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Thanksgiving to overflow. So what are these things that all this is for your benefit? We go back a little bit in verse 8 to 9. It says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. And you might say, but I've seen people struck down and they're destroyed. No, 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 no. This isn't the end of it. We heard that just before. This is not the end of it. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
That's his domain. And then it goes on to say in verse 13, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Our words have so much power in our life. They, they reinforce what we believe and they actually emulate and make large and, and magnify the things of value in our life. If we're always complaining, those things are magnified. They become so enormous in our life that they just, they just consume us. But if it's something good, if it's something pleasing, if it's something that has perfection attached to it, it changes the lives of those around it causing thanksgiving to overflow as this grace reaches more and more. And it says here, I believe, therefore I have spoken. That is actually um, pointing to a scripture in Psalms. Since we have that same spirit, we also believe and therefore speak. Do you know what that, that reference there is? I believe, therefore I have spoken. Listen to this. I'm going to um, read it out of the, the Passion Translation. Psalm 116 verse 10. Even when it seems I'm surrounded by many liars and my own fears, and though I'm hurting in my suffering and trauma, I still stay faithful to God and speak words of faith. All this is for your benefit. So that grace, this grace that is reaching more and more people will cause thanksgiving. When you know how much you've been forgiven for, the mistakes that you've made, and um, it gives you a heart of forgiveness and grace in your life because you just go, oh, I've done that. I've been there. That's happened to me before. So how do we fight our battles? Well, there's six things that we're, we're meant to put on the armour of God, from God, for us, to stand in offence and defence against the powers and principalities and authorities in this present darkness, in the world and the darkness of this world. In Colossians 3, and I'm finish up with this scripture, Therefore, as God's chosen people, you are holy and dearly loved. This is another aspect of clothing, of putting on something here. But there's seven of these. There's seven of these. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Clothe yourselves with kindness. Clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves with gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Forbearance and forgiveness. So it's clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience forbearance, forgiveness, same thing there. And then it says, that's six, and then it says, and over all these virtues, put on love. Put on compassion, put on kindness, put on gentleness, put on patience. The good thing about these things, and then, and then above all these, clothe yourselves. Put over the top of all this, this overcoat of love. And you might think, well, why did he use those examples? Well, that's what people see. You know, as you dress, you know, there's a statement about, you know, the, um, you know, man is what he wears or something like that. I can't remember it at the moment. Um, that's it. Thank you, Ash. Clothes maketh the man. Putting it into old English there. But why those things? Well, when you go to reach into your pocket for something, it's not lies. When you go to reach into your pocket, it's not unforgiveness. It's actually love is the first thing that you reach into your pockets to grab to either to resource yourself or to provide for someone or to give out of something. It's not anything else of bitterness, of hurt or anything. It's love, it's compassion, it's kindness, it's forbearance and, and forgiveness is those things. Then it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And when we pray, we get this rest in our lives because the peace of God comes. 
don't be anxious about anything, but in all these things, pray. And then the peace of God that goes past our reasoning and our understanding and it guards our hearts and our minds, two profound areas of our lives. Then it says, you know, let the peace, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Remember, you have a calling of peace on your life. You are called to peace. You're not called to anxiety. You're not called to depression. You're not called to worry. You are called to peace. Let peace rule in your home. When you want to fight, no, no, no. Let peace reign. Find peace. Ask the questions. How can we have harmony here? Not, I need to tell you my opinion. No, no, no. What's the story you're making up here? Why, why are you coming at me from this angle? Where, why am I coming at you from that? Why did I react like that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to react like that. This is, this is just an emotion, a feeling I'm going through at the moment. We're called to peace. And be thankful. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Whoa, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through, and this, get this, we, we sing songs to start off the meeting. It's not just that, but we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter, come into his courts with praise. But it, not only that, but it, when we're singing these songs, we're making a proclamation over our own lives with our own mouths about the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after me. You are our Elohim, almighty God, maker of the earth. It reminds us of who he is and who we are, his promises for us. As you admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, finishing up on this, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're coming up to a time where kids want, want, want. People want, want, want. They want this, want that. We're running around. We're, we're here. I, I want to remain, remind you to be thankful. You're called to peace, to pray. Be thankful. You're called to peace and pray. If something's concerning you, pray about it. Don't attack. Pray. That, that's, that's meant to be our first responder. Last night we were coming home from the carols and I turned the corner and I just see blue and um, red lights flashing. I went, oh, the boys are out. The, the booze buses out and as I turned the corner it disappeared and I'm like where did it go and I went oh wait a minute the the fire brigade doors are open oh the boys are out they're probably heading out for something they're under lights but they're not under siren and I immediately said to Kylie they're first responders at the moment this is actually they're going to something and it could be a suicide because they're under lights but not under siren someone could be dead so we immediately started praying for those who, where they're going to. And then Kylie hit it on the head. She said, and their mental health. Started praying for our first responders because they're seeing some stuff. They're seeing some elements of, of humanity that, that would deeply affect the rest of us. Rach, it's so good to have you back here with us. Rachel was telling us some stories last night of in, um, in New Guinea. That's where you are. And how um, she's been witnessing the deaths of babies and, and just sad things happening. And also someone who was resurrected, they were prayed for. This person spoke about how the, they woke up and they're looking at their body 
and this New Guinean man, and, and the walls of the hospital were glass, and there were all these people dressed in white outside, and he, he just walked outside and, and spent time with them, and then this person who was talking to them said, oh, they're calling you, you need to go back. So, back into his body. We don't see that stuff because, number one, we're too busy looking at other things that we don't take time to pray. And I want to remind you, be at peace. You're called to peace. Pray. Have thankfulness in your heart. Thank God for life. We don't get around many dead bodies. I don't know if you've been around any. Um, we don't get around dead bodies. It's isolated from us. But in a community where they spend time with a the body, there's, there's actually an opportunity to pray because you're there. And it reminded us when we were in Africa, we, we had an opportunity to go and pray for kids one day. And as we walked into this hospital that was in all minds, in my mind's eye, I just see destitution and there's nothing. And there's these little kids that are dying from infection, dying from wounds, from, from, um, from burns because they cook with fires and they, they fall on fires and things happen. And, and, they, and I, I just felt so depleted of anything that I could do for them except pray. And we went around and prayed and there was 22 in the, there was six in the Burns ward that we couldn't get through, but we put our hands on the glass and, and they were crying and screaming and in pain and we're praying for them. And we went around and laid hands on other kids and there was one I still remember, he's just eyes oh, rolling back in his head. He had infection, blood infection and his mum's trying to keep him awake and we're praying for him. We found out a couple of weeks, oh sorry, a week later that that 19 of those 22 were actually discharged the next day. And I'm just like, what? Now, see, our faith then would go, I, I either go, wow, thank you, God. Or I go, oh, really? Did that really happen? Because that's when the questioning comes in. But no, 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 let it feed your faith. Don't let it feed your doubt. If something good happens in your life, thank God straight away. Don't just go, wow, that was lucky. No, be thankful. You're called to peace. It causes a peace to come onto your life like nothing else. Pray. Pray. Can I pray for you this morning? If you don't mind, if you can stand, could you stand with me? Thank you, Father. You are such a good dad. You are the best God. You are God and there is no other. You are God and there is none beside you. Father, I thank you for this season that we're in at the moment where the earth remembers you sending your son, Jesus. This is a time when we reflect and we remember Jesus coming as a baby, coming as a man. Thank you, Jesus, that when you were on the cross, you said, it is finished. And we stand in the victory and we proclaim the victory of everything that you attained for us and took back for us and defeated the enemy, you defeated hell and death. You took away the sting of death, the bite of the grave. There, Thank you, Father, for life, the preciousness of life. May we all just value life and the gift that we've been given and not be robbed in any moment, in any instance of any day, because doesn't that happen, guys? We can be robbed of the joy that our God meant for us to enjoy here on the earth. Father, I thank you for the calling of peace right now in each life. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the spirit of truth, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of peace. 
Thank you for your comfort now on each life. So those that are concerned, those that have worries, those that, that, have, that are perplexed right at the moment, I thank you for all your promises that Jesus, you have obtained for us. And I give you thanks today. Thank you, Father, for the fullness. And may the word of Jesus dwell richly in our lives. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing to remembrance in the moments where we need it, the words of Jesus, the promises of Jesus, the behavior of Jesus, the nature of Jesus, the mind of Jesus. May you be glorified in our lives and through our lives, Father. May harmony dwell in our homes. May harmony be in our marriages. May harmony be in our lives, in our daily walk with you. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your life. And Father, I thank you for joy that is our strength, strengthens us. Holy Spirit, reveal the Father to those that can't see him at the moment. Reveal Jesus for those that can't see him at the moment fullness of that calling. God, you're so good. There's nothing about you that's bad. You only want good for us. You only, you only do good for us. And you only give us good things. I thank you for that, Father. Thank you for protection over this Christmas time, over each family, over each life. As we travel, I thank you, Father, for your ministering angels that are sent for those that, are, that enjoy eternal life. Thank you, Father for your protection, your security over each life, over each household, over each family. In the mighty name of Jesus, be glorified, Father. You deserve it. You deserve all our praise, all our thanks. You've been so good to us, God. So good. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website riveredgechurch.com.au